The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Thanks, band. Outstanding. Good stuff. Our uh, guest worship leader uh, this morning is Michael Land. So uh, it's first time with us. It's thrilled to have him with us. Outstanding. Thrilled to have you all with us as well, and welcome to the table. Hope this is a, a good experience for you to have an encounter with God. Uh, I know that most of you, or many of you, got an email from me. If you're on our database, then you got an email from me uh, inviting you to a meeting uh, today at noon, uh, along with some other information about uh, some things that are going on around here. And I will get to that at the end of my message. If, however, you are thinking, how come I didn't get an email? Why didn't no one send me an email? Then perhaps we don't have the right information. And so if you thought you should have gotten an email and you did not, please let us know. Fill out one of those cards. Make sure that's updated so that we can stay in communication with you. This morning, we are going to continue our foundation journey where we've been looking at the uh, top 40 verses. We've identified uh, 40 sections of Scripture that we're going to take a look at this year. And these aren't any official top 40 lists. They're just 40 sections of Scripture that we believe will help you understand God's overall story and will uh, invite you into a greater understanding of what your role is in that story. So we're inviting you on this journey uh, uh, throughout the year. Any Sunday that we gather and we talk about a section of Scripture or we have a, a message or etc., any Sunday, regardless of the theme, regardless of the year, any Sunday typically leans in one direction or, or another. Either it's a Sunday of encouragement, yay, or it's a Sunday of challenge, ooh. And so we have both, and, and, every, and every Sunday there's some kind of mixture there, but Sundays typically lean towards one or the other. Well, this morning's verse is a verse of encouragement, yay, and, not but, and it is surrounded neatly by verses of aggressive challenge. Ooh, yes. So we're getting a little bit of both. We're getting a mixture. And the verse that we're taking a look at this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, where Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Yay! That's encouragement. Would you bow your heads with me as we launch into this? Father, we are thankful for your words of encouragement. God, we need it. We come into this place, and there are so many things buzzing around, so many things that have been going on this week, and we set aside this time to hear from you. God, we want to be open at any moment for your words of encouragement and your words of challenge. And so, God, would you blend those together in a beautiful way so that we are different when we walk out of this place. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So how many of you are uh, fans of the Olympics so far? Anybody watching? Anybody? Okay, okay. A little bit, a little bit of interest there. I find the older I get, 
the more I'm interested in the Olympics. I was totally not interested when I was young, uh, but I think the older I get and realize how far away I am from being able to do any of those things, there's this thing of just relaxing, drinking a Coke, and just going, wow, they're amazing. They're awesome. And I just love to, I love the whole thing. Love it, love it, love it, love it. And as a Canadian, there are very few Canadians who do well in the Summer Olympics, so I really jump on that. I jump on, you know, any Canadian's doing okay with that. But um, uh, here's a question for you. What would you say is the least favorite, the least popular Olympic sport for Americans? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, ushers, uh, we've got one here. Have him removed, please. Somebody said hockey, which has nothing to do with the Summer Olympics, so wrong. So which Summer Olympic sport is the least, which one? Fencing, rugby, okay. Judo, ping pong, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to give you some uh, help. Okay. The actual winner, the winner, the winner, the winner, the winner is, is equestrian sports. Okay. According to, this is data from 2012. Sorry, those of you who are into horses. Uh, data from 2012 is that the least popular among Americans, this is not around the world, this is just Americans, is equestrian sports. Uh, we all know who this is? It's, of course, Michael Jung. Come on, everybody. He won the gold medal in 2012 for the horsey thing where you run around jumping over stuff. He won. He won the gold medal. But we, we don't see him on very many cereal boxes or uh, in any commercials um, because this is not the most popular sport. I think it's because we all know how to run. We're familiar with swimming. Very few of us have the uh, opportunity to spend a whole lot of time with those beautiful creatures. So, so equestrian is, is the least popular among Americans, according to statistics, from 2012. Second least popular would be badminton. Badminton, yeah, that's the second least. Uh, you maybe, maybe didn't even know that was in the Olympics. You know? And so maybe other places in the world are more interesting. Kind of a fun game, not that thrilling to watch. Uh, badminton is number two. Number three is synchronized swimming. I know, I know. The ladies are going, that's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, I mean, it's just a great, it's a, it's a, it's, it's very, very athletic. And, and. It is. It really is. It really is. It's a great. My wife loves synchronized swimming, and so that's when I get to read. Um, and then canoeing, and then archery, and then handball, which is not really a popular American sport. I played it growing up, but it's not a popular American sport. And then weightlifting. See, I did all that to get to weightlifting. All of that was to move towards weightlifting. Now, this probably doesn't come as a surprise for those of you who, who, um, who know me at all, but weightlifting was my big sport in high school. Um, you could probably just tell. You could tell. I mean, it's, the, it's my frame that gives it away. Um, and so uh, this here was what I used to lift. This was the amount that I used to lift. No. I mean, if I tried to do this, I mean, you would, you would just watch my back go, you would just see it split. This in front of you is 582 pounds uh, uh, or 264 kilograms uh, in front of you. One kilogram more than the world record for weightlifting in the clean and jerk um, 
category of weightlifting, which is the higher one. It's the bigger one. It's the one, that's the one where they lift up, they go clean up to here, and then they go jerk, and they get their legs back, and then they push it up. I, I guess that's right, clean and jerk, and then they push it up, and they, as long as they get up straight, straight, then they hold it up for whatever amount of time they need to do, then they drop it and it bounces. That's what it is. World record is 263 kilograms, and here's when it happened. Immensely strong man, arguably the strongest man in the world. Oh, look at how easy that. Clean and jerk, world standard has been established. 263 kilos. That's, that's, now you might not be that interested in the sport, but that's impressive. I mean, that is impressive. 580 or so pounds lifted up over your head. No one in the world has lifted this, what we have in front of you. No one in the world has ever lifted 582 pounds. Impressive. Most impressive. Now, um, here's the encouragement for us today as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. God will never ask you to lift this. Oh, good. Oh, that's a good job, Alan. God will never ask you to lift a weight that you can't lift. God will never set you in front of a weight and say, oh, come on, come on, and ask you to lift something that you can't lift. Think about how big of a deal that is. How many times do we, we look at something in our lives, some situation, and it is so heavy. It is just so enormous for us. And all we want to do is get up from underneath it. All we want to do is get this thing out of the way. All we want to do is move this thing. All we want to do is overcome this thing. And it seems like it weighs 582 pounds. God will never ask you to take care of that on your own. There's a guy who's part of our church that I talked with this week who shared with me his struggle with painkillers. He grew up in a Christian home and had never had any issue with any substance abuse whatsoever. But he went through a period of, of uh, depression, a period where he was really struggling with life, and he also had some physical uh, things that were uh, difficult for him. And so uh, one day he, uh, he came across a, a painkiller, and he took one. It was not part of his prescription or anything. He took, took somebody else's painkiller. And it gave him six hours of relief, six hours of bliss, that for that period of time during that day, he was the person that he wanted to be. And he was responding to people the way he wanted to. And he was, it was just this great experience, this great joy that he had. And so then the next day, he decided to take another one because that was such a great experience. But that experience didn't last for the full six hours. And as time went on, he was taking more and more of these painkillers and finding ways to get more and more of these painkillers, and he found a pathway to get them. And so he was taking uh, multiple painkillers throughout the day, and they were, not, they were lasting less and less, taking more and more, and they were lasting less and less. Because what happens is something that seems like a, like a five-pound weight, that's no problem. I mean, it's, it's not a big deal. I can take care of that. Somehow, in our journey, that becomes a 582-pound weight. And, and it's that journey that just kind of sneaks up on us and moves us towards that. 
And so we conclude one of two things. Either when, when, the, when that becomes 582 pounds, we either conclude, I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm too weak. I don't have the strength to do this. Or we conclude, God has failed me. God is not faithful, and God is not going to, God is not proving that he can help me with this. When the reality is that God is faithful and that we will not be tempted beyond what we can bear. That you have what it takes through the power of God to avoid standing before a 582-pound bar. Okay, I'm, I'm done with this um, illustration. Greg, would you move this? Just come on. After service, okay. Actually, what would have been more realistic is, Anna, would you come and uh, would you... Would you have this removed, please? Okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, that's the word of encouragement for today. Is that God is never going to ask you to sit in front of a 582-pound weight. But as I said, this is wrapped around by some words of challenge that Paul gives us. That encouragement is, is so often balanced with challenge in Scripture. So what I want to invite you to do is if you brought your uh, Bible with you or if you have access to a digital Bible, we're going to leave the foundational verse up on the screen, accessible for all throughout the, the, the message here today. But we're going to spend the, uh, a bunch of our time in, verses, in other verses in chapter 10. We're going to spend all of our time here in chapter 10. But uh, if you have a Bible with you, I want to uh, invite you to follow uh, with me. If you don't have a Bible, you can pick one up for free in the lobby, or you can just listen, and I will let you know where, where I'm looking. Right now, I'm going to, still in chapter 10, verse 12. Immediately for, before our foundational verse of 13, Paul says this in verse 12. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. There's the challenge. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And this, verse 12, 12 and, and 13, they flow out of what Paul talked about in the verses prior to this. In the other verses in chapter 10, Paul draws their attention to stories from the Old Testament that they were familiar with, that his audience would have been familiar with. Stories connected to the Exodus story that we talk about a lot around here. This story of being freed from slavery and then wandering around in the desert. And, and a few of those stories Paul refers to. Where at one point when Moses goes up into the mountains for the, with, to gather the Ten Commandments, that the people of God become restless and impatient, and they gather the gold, and they, they melt it down and make a golden calf, and worship the golden calf. And then at another time, as they're wandering out throughout the desert, they interact with the Moabites, and they start to interact so much that they start to worship the Moabite gods through temple prostitution. And Paul's reminding them of that. That's, that's what happened with these Israelites. And then at one point, the people of God said to Moses, we're sick of you being our boss. Who made you the boss? We're sick of following you, responding to what you say. We want to do our own thing. And, and, and the reality is that these people who are doing these things, they had the same exact experience as Moses. They saw the same miracles. They saw the same power. As Moses, yet they had a very different experience. Paul says in verse 3, they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. So what was the difference? The difference was that there were groups of them among the Israelites who got cocky. They got arrogant to the point of saying, you know what, I'm, I'm invincible. 
I can do whatever I want. You can't tell me what to do. I, I don't want to have any boundaries. I'm invincible. And the message here, the, the challenge here from verse 12 on the front end of our foundational verses, don't get cocky. Don't get cocky. You are going to be tempted. We're all going to be tempted. And you, even you, could fall. Even you could fall. Now, I'm not talking about losing your salvation. We need to be clear about that, that we can have assurance of salvation. It's not that we stumble and then we fall away from the grace of God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in our journey, as we are tempted, we can fall into temptation. And that can, we can experience something that starts off as a five-pound weight that we watch turn into a 582-pound weight. Don't get cocky in terms of assuming that's not going to happen to you. You are not immune to these types of temptations. You are not immune to stumbling into an inappropriate relationship. You are not immune to slipping into depression. You are not immune to the hardening of your heart towards poor people, towards hurting people, towards lost people. You're not immune to that. And Paul challenges us in verse 12, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Growing up in Canada, I stepped on a lot of surfaces that were very slippery. I stepped on a lot of roads, a lot of sidewalks that were very slippery. And, and, and I've learned how to manage those and handle that uh, just in, in, instinctively, intuitively. The people who slip on ice are the ones who don't think they're going to slip on ice. That's just what it is. If you go out and you just step as if you're going to have regular grip, that's when your foot slips out from under you, whoop, and there's a garage sale, uh, yard sale all around you with all the things that you were carrying. And then somebody caught it on video and they put it on the internet and they, you know, they get 10,000 views, etc. That's what happens. That's what happens. The ones who don't slip are the ones who assume they're going to slip. The ones who don't slip are the ones, that's how you handle it. If you're walking on, you don't know what that surface is, you put your foot on it and you just, you just push a little bit. Is it going to grip or is it going to slide? Oh, hey, that's going to slide. I need to be more careful here. And that's what you do when you're driving, too. When you drive on black ice or you're not sure what the roads are, uh, you, you, you tap your brakes and you sample, how, how, what does the road feel like now? What, what's going on here? I want to know what the road is instead of assuming that I've got a grip on everything. Paul says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Challenge number one is don't think that you are immune to these types of temptations that you watch others struggle with. Don't get cocky. Don't get arrogant. And then on the other side of this beautiful verse of encouragement, in, in verse 4, um, Paul offers another challenge. He simply says, uh, sorry, in verse 14, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. So here's the second challenge. First challenge is don't get cocky. Second challenge is flee from idolatry. Idolatry is when we put anything above God. It's when we uh, put anything elevated above the place of God in our lives. Now, you and I are not going to gather our gold together melt it down, create a golden calf, and then worship that golden calf. It's not going to happen. We're way too sophisticated for that. We read that and we think, well, what were they thinking? They're absolutely ridiculous. But what has your attention? Maybe it's not a golden calf. But what has your attention? 
What do you elevate in your own life? What do you prioritize in the morning over your time with God? Whether it's your uh, body image or the ways that you take care of yourself or whatever. In what ways are some things in your life more important to you than God? In what way do you have desires in your life that are more important to God? Things that are more of a priority for you. Things that you think about all the time. Either a thing or a person that consumes your thoughts. And as a result, this becomes a higher place in your life than God. For me, I've got lots of moments in lots of days where God is not, is not the number one thing I'm thinking of. Lots of moments. That's idolatry. It's elevating something else and saying, this is the most important thing for me right now. That's idolatry. And I think all of us slip into that at different times. In verse 6 here of this chapter, Paul says, Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. This idea of setting our hearts on something. A number of months back, I talked about the, how precarious it is to give our heart to somebody. That it's certainly a romantic concept, but the idea of saying, I want to give my heart to this woman or to this man, that's, a, that's bad dating. Hey, I've known you for a month. You seem like a nice person. Here's my heart. Have your way with it. And that's even dangerous marriage living. Even you're in covenant with somebody for the rest of your life. That doesn't mean that you say, here, you take care of my heart. You want me to take care of yours? Okay, I'll, I'll do my best. But I really want you to take care of mine. That I'm putting my heart as part of your responsibility. That's dangerous ground. Even in marriage, you don't set your hearts on that person or another person. Anything we set our hearts on in that way, we give them power, and they start to elevate higher in our lives. Careful with what we set our hearts on. What do you want? What really charges you up more than anything else? What sports team has so much of your attention? What sports team have you set your heart on? And if it's an Arizona sports team, be really careful. <laughs> be really careful about saying that that's where your joy and your happiness is going to come from. And we just need to be careful what we set our hearts on because what we set our hearts on, that's what we give power to. A little bit more power. Five pounds. 30 pounds. 80 pounds. And we just give a little bit more power and then whoom, all of a sudden something, wow, something is top. And then the verse right after that, I think Paul gives more insight into this idolatry piece. He says, do not be idolaters as some of them were. Here in verse 7, do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. How does something make a shift from an interest to an idol? How does something make a shift from, from 5 pounds to 582 pounds? Typically it makes that shift because we feed it. We feed it. We pour a little bit into it. We indulge in that activity. Something that could be very safe, very uh, inert for us, that when we indulge in it and we feed it more and more, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger in our lives. And then we look, how did this thing become 582 pounds? Because we've fed it. We've indulged in it. We've poured into it. And we want more and more 
and more. That's the problem with, with an appetite, with our appetite for these things, is that it's never satisfied. It's never satiated. Those of you who've, who've struggled with some kind of addiction in some direction, it never gets to the point where you say, you know what? I've reached my, my, my top end. I'm satisfied. I don't need this anymore. That's so uncommon that the way this painfully works is that we keep on pouring into it and more and more and more and more until it gets to the point where we no longer have management over it. And it's just enormous for us. And we're not sure what to do with it. Stop feeding it. Stop feeding that thing and fill your heart with the encouragement of verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Last week I talked about this, that sometimes we look at our own struggle and we think no one understands. No one's ever been through what I've been through. No one can relate to what I've been through. It's not true. It's not true. There are others who, we just repeat the same things over and over again. Others have experienced what you've experienced and they have overcome. God is not shocked by your experience. God's seen it before and he can take care of it. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will not set you in front of a weight that you can't lift. He will be able to take care of that. He can move mountains. It reminds me of the, the, the classic question to challenge the omnipotence of God. Can God create a rock that is so heavy that even God can't move. Ooh, that's the omnipotence. It's referred to as the omnipotence paradox. Omnipotence means all-powerful. And the paradox is, it's a way to try to prove that God is not omnipotent. That if, if God cannot create such a rock, then God is not omnipotent. And if God can create such a rock but cannot lift it, then God is not omnipotent. Case closed. Now, that might be interesting in some conversations and on some college campuses, but I'm not sure God is threatened by that line of reasoning. I'm not sure God hears those words and goes, oh, no, they figured me out. They found the loophole. That's about as, you know, potent as one of the old um, Chuck Norris jokes. That Chuck Norris uh, counted to infinity twice. Yeah, all right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, that doesn't really carry a lot of water, right? It's about as much as the omnipotence paradox. Here's something that carries water. Here's something that is relevant. Here's something that is so profound. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Take that in. Take that in. Look at your weight sitting before you and absorb those words. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. There's no promise in these encouraging words that it's going to be easy. There's no promise that the temptation is not going to come your way. When you are tempted, that's part of living in this fallen, dark world. When you are tempted, God will provide a way out. Don't lose hope. There is no valley so dark that God cannot find the way out. There is no addiction so entrenched that God cannot bring freedom. 
There's no depression so numbing that God cannot still breathe life into it. There is no temptation so heavy and exhausting and overpowering that God cannot lift it. This is an encouraging word. So, what's the heaviest thing in your life? What is the, the heaviest weight that you are carrying with you? you know, perhaps it's something that some years ago you just said, I'm going to carry that for the rest of my life. You've tried, you've made efforts, and you've just, and you just landed on that's who I am. That's how I respond to people. That's how I, re- that's how I respond to anger. That, that's just who I am. That's that, this, this struggle for me that you all don't seem to have a problem with, this is my thing, and I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm going to carry it for the rest of my life. What does verse 13 say about that weight that you're carrying? I mean, as long as we, from verse 12, as long as we don't get cocky, we don't walk around assuming that nothing's going to happen to us, that we're immune to this, that I'm not going to slip up, as long as we don't want to walk around foolishly in that way, and as long as, verse 12, as long as we, we flee from idolatry, we don't let anything in our lives, anything, rise up, we set our hearts on it, we indulge in it, and we give it the power to become top in our lives. As long as we don't do those things, then we, we'll be able to overcome. We can overcome. God will give us a way out. God will give you a way out. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray with you on that. Father, I know in this room, as the, the concept of a weight is introduced here in this place, that it'll go in, down so many different paths, so many different stories, so many different weights. That for some, it's a 50-pound it's a weight that is, that is manageable, but it's just so enticing, and it's just so, we just don't want to let it go. Father, would you give us the courage and the strength to trust you with that, to not feed it, to not give it power, to not allow it to become something that we, that we can't manage anymore. And Father, for those sitting in this room who feel like they are experiencing a 582-pound weight, a weight that no human has ever been able to budge, God, would you help us to understand this promise in verse 13? That it's not something that we find the strength to do because we've proven we can't do that, but God, that we would set you above all, we would set you in that top place, we would not get cocky in our own, in our own strength, that we would trust you in this, God. I pray for freedom, for those to be released from the weights that they're carrying. May we absorb these beautiful words from verse 13. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning... I had an intentionally short message. Yay! Yeah. But it's because I want to leave the rest of our space here because there's something I want to talk with you about that's really important. Ooh. And so there's a little bit of a combination here at the end. In the email that I uh, sent you this week, I said that we've been wrestling with some details having to do with the new facility. And that wrestling essentially means that the cost of the project has gone up. The cost of the building 
has gone up. The cost of materials has gone up. The requirements from the city in terms of us getting a building permit, the requirements have changed over the past few months. And so what we're required to do has gone up. Our commitment to having an energy efficient facility and then committing to some things in terms of mechanical uh, uh, pieces, that has gone up. So the cost has gone up. And our efforts over the past few months in order to, to keep the whole thing within the boundaries of what we communicated to you in February during the full potential campaign, our efforts to keep that all within those boundaries. In other words, we're not going to increase the debt, and we are going to build the building that we've talked with you about uh, originally in February and introduced to you. Our efforts to keep that within those boundaries, we've, we've tried so hard for over these months, and we thought we were going to be able to do it and thought we were going to be able to do it. It has come to the point where we can't do that anymore. Something has got to budge. Something has to move. And so what we've uh, decided is that uh, instead of just making a decision uh, on behalf of you, we want to make a decision with you. And so what we're doing is we need to make a quick decision, but we, need, we want to invite you in on it. And essentially, it gets broken down into two options. I want to walk this out with you real briefly here before a meeting at noon where we give more information. The two options are these. One is we build the building that we set before you in February uh, as drawn, as we've talked about in the lobby, et cetera, the whole deal. And in order to do that, we have an increased debt that we take on as a church. That's one option. A second option is that we build a building without the tower, without the the big tower, which is a significant part of the design, a significant part of the cost. We build it without the tower, and we don't have increased debt um, more than what we had talked about in February. The difference between these two options is $750,000. In other words, that beautiful tower essentially costs... $750,000, which led me this week to a fascinating verse from Luke chapter 14. I'm not, if if you're unfamiliar with this verse, you're going to enjoy this. Luke chapter 14, verse 28, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Now, if you wonder if Scripture's relevant, boom! Boom. So that's our situation, and that's what we're doing this Sunday and next Sunday is we're going to decide with you. We want to invite you in to help make this decision with us. So let me just tell you where I'm at. I love the tower. I absolutely love the tower. I love the lighthouse concept where there can be an icon unlike anything else in the community where literally hundreds of thousands of people will be familiar with and aware of this place that, that, is, that is a place of light, that it is a beacon of light, a reminder for all those driving by, etc., that there is light in a dark world. I love the idea that, for example, somebody in Ahwatukee who is not interested in God, not interested in the church, might have a visitor from out of town who is not interested in God and not interested in the church, and during their visit, they drive into our parking lot And then they walk into our lobby, go up into this this six-story glass box up there that would hold about 40 or 50 people. They would go up in that spot, and they would say, that's where we hiked yesterday. I love this city. I love living here. 
and I invite you to move over here and come join us, and et cetera, whatever that conversation might be. Then they go down the elevator, and they go into the lobby, and they go to the cafe, and they have a cup of coffee. And while they're enjoying that and having that coffee, they're looking at signs and posters up in the lobby inviting them to radical life change, uh, uh, giving their life over to Christ as part of the Christian journey. I love that. I love that idea. I love that possibility. I also love not having $750,000 extra debt. I love that. I absolutely love that. That with a $2 million debt, our monthly mortgage would be a little shy of $11,000 a month. With the extra $750,000 debt, that mortgage would be a little shy of $15,000 a month. Now, for a church our size, that's a very manageable uh, mortgage. It, it, it's, it's not... Uh, financially irresponsible for, have, for us to have a mortgage like that. But it's still $4,000 a month. $4,000 that could be used for ministry. $4,000 a month that could be used. Uh, that's essentially another full-time staff here as part of our church and leadership and, and, and the power of, of people. And so I just, want you to, I just want you to understand, both options make a lot of sense to me. And what I want to be fair about and clear about is that I'm not leaning towards one way or the other. I'm not pushing towards one way or another. That I think both make tremendous sense. It makes a whole lot of sense to, to decide at some point we want to invest courageously in something that's unique, that we've never been a part of, that this community has never seen. And it also makes a whole lot of sense to say we want to be financially responsible in a way that we would benefit for years to come, month after month after month. Both of those make tremendous sense to me. But I don't want to just make that decision and then six months down the road, either way, have some of you say, Alan, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you tell us? So as a result, we're going to do this together. And here's the plan. We're going to have a meeting today uh, at noon. Uh, immediately following this, we'll have a little, little bit of a break. And then at noon, we're going to gather here. The board is going to be here, the builder, the, the architect, the um, builder, uh, the owner's rep is going to be here. I'm going to be here, and we're going to have an open conversation, Q&A, ask anything you want, and then we'll go into a few more details about this piece, as much as you want to, to know about this journey. At that meeting, we are going to hand out a card that says, Save the Tower. <laughs> and so, for you Back to the Future fans... We thought that might be fun. But I do, I do just want to say a word of caution. I know this sounds like it's leaning in one direction. And I'm sorry for that. That's not my intention here. My intention, my whole thing is I couldn't resist the Back to the Future uh, thing. I just couldn't. I couldn't. Couldn't do that. But it says underneath there, or save a bunch of money, which is a great option as well. On the back side, here's essentially what we want to, what we want to hear from you. Check. Save the money. I don't think the tower is worth the $750,000 cost. Or check save the tower. And then if you, if you check that, uh, we'd love for you to check one of the three options underneath that. Either, I think we should increase our debt from 2 million to 2.7 or 2.75 million. Just increase our debt and move forward. We want to hear if that's where you stand. Or, I'm willing to increase my full potential commitment from February from two years to three years. It's a two-year commitment. And maybe this is one possible way of doing it is to say instead of two years, we go three years and we could, and we could uh, take care of this. Or, or a third option there, I'd like to participate in full potential campaign because you didn't before, or you'd like to change your pledge. Uh, and that's, those are the options there. So if, if you are not available for the noon meeting, 
or perhaps feel like you have enough information, you can pick up one of these cards in the, uh, at home team. You can pick up one of, the, one of these cards over there. We'd love to hear from you. And, well, we know that many of you are passionate about one direction or the other. We want to hear from you. And, uh, but either way, if you come to the noon meeting or not, we want you to pick up one of these cards, take it home, and pray about it, think about it. Next Sunday, we're going to take these cards in. We're going to gather the information, see where we land, and then we will make a decision. The board's going to meet on Sunday night. With all of that information, we'll make a final decision in terms of which direction that we're going to go. Um, the construction has been on somewhat of a hold, largely because of this, because of the finances, making sure that we are going to move forward responsibly. Uh, the, that hold is, um, is, is, they're moving forward with some pieces, waiting on the foundation of the tower area to decide where we land, uh, and that decision we're going to make next Sunday. So, hopefully I'll either see you in a half an hour for an ongoing conversation, or we'll see you next Sunday if you don't have any more questions, and we're going to make this decision together. God bless you guys. Thanks. We'll see you soon.